is going to be a very happy Thanksgiving. Let's see. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another show of the Real Thrills podcast. I'm here with Eric, and I'm Jay, and it is Thanksgiving weekend. We had it on Thursday, but we actually partook in Thanksgiving a couple days early. We went to a movie theater, the Regal, as we mentioned in the last podcast. Very nice theater. It's becoming a very nice event for us. And we chose the Thanksgiving movie by Eli Roth, uh, the 2023 version. I think there was a previous version that you uh, mentioned in our pre-show, a 2007 trailer. Yeah, there was. A, so in 2007, when they put out that Grindhouse double feature of Planet Terror and Death Proof, they had a trailer in between the two films that was kind of a parody, um, kind of mocking you know, modern day slashers and it was called Thanksgiving and Eli Roth did it. And when you watch it back now, if you've seen Thanksgiving, the film in 2023, you're like, wow, they took what they were joking around about and made it into a full length feature film. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. And and to be honest, you mentioned it parody kind of a joke. This kind, this movie was kind of the same thing. Like it was typical Eli Roth, who, if you don't know, he did Cabin Fever, he did all three Hostels, The Green Inferno. From what we hear, we haven't seen that yet, and which is shocking between the two of us. But I think it's because of its. It, it, I, I hear it's like absolutely bonkers. It's bananas. Well, I think what's interesting is I feel like Eli Roth when he came out, I don't think really got. A lot of traction. I felt like people thought he was a one-trick pony. I think that even though he was doing what I felt was a pretty original film in Hostel, I think a lot of people attribute it to just being like Saw's younger brother, right? Like it was a a a film featuring kind of torture aspects and elements. Torture porn is what I call it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I don't think he got the right credit. And so I think as a moviegoer in that time, you know, I, I saw that film and thought like, okay. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I didn't actually put two and two together that he also did Cabin Fever, which I loved. I love it, yeah. I thought Cabin Fever was amazing. So seeing Hostel and seeing sort of a bigger budget film at the time, it just felt like it was going to be something that was going to be monotonous in a way. Like I felt like they were just going to do 100 versions of this. Saw was doing a million films. So I just don't think it really tracked at that point. And what I like about it now is he's doing a new film. And I'm like, all right, well... I think it's worth checking out. Which is on brand yeah, to, it, to what he's done in the past. And he made a fun two th- early 2000s, mid 2000s slasher film in 2023, which you'd be surprised that you could do that right now, right? Like a lot of the, the premises in these films are things that 
don't really resonate with the teen crowd, right? We're a little bit more woke these days. And I think trying to do that dick joke kind of humor in 2023 didn't feel like it was going to work, but it kind of did. Yeah. You know, and, and, and after we watched the movie, obviously Eric and I chit chat about it as we walked to our cars and, you know, even before we do the pod and we immediately both agreed that this is scream. This is who done it. This is a caper. This is horror. It's bloody deaths, tons of deaths. I don't even know what the death count is. Did you keep track of that? It's got to be a, over a dozen. Yeah, I didn't I didn't keep track, but which is but, great. This is this is our point that there were yeah. so many deaths that if you look away, someone's dying and it's gruesome to a point that you kind of see it coming, kind of final destination-ish. Yeah. Scream-ish. Uh, cheesy, jokey, funny. Um, you know, I'm trying to kind of beef this up. Obviously, it was a $15 million budget film. It only grossed $30 million in the box office during Thanksgiving, which is everybody's home. Are they? Are are you going to the movies? I mean, we did, but we, we, we do this as a hobby, so that's, that's kind of why we went. It, it didn't seem like the numbers came in troves. But they still doubled their money. Eli Roth is still a rich man, you know, again. Again, to my point about being a horror fan during the peak of Eli Roth, which I don't even think has really happened yet in my opinion, but who the fuck right now is is like, hey, I really want to go see an Eli Roth film, right? Like it doesn't feel that if you're a teenager or maybe even like in your early 20s that you're running to go see his new film, right? It just doesn't. But what's weird about Eli Roth? It's like it it is a household name to me, somehow. Right. And I'm like, and it, like I said, it took my the show to like do a little research, go back to these movies and go, oh man, I liked all those, and I didn't put two and two together back then. But here he is, 20 years later, still pounding these, this film. That's a callback to yeah. something that we watched when we were like in it to win it. And I'm like, that's what I will tell those viewers to go enjoy but man it is cheesy it is campy it is funny and there's just a lot of death so it's like if you like all those things we'll, we'll get to those plot holes again and some of the what the fuck moments as as we get into in the segments but i mean th- this movie kind of had it all we laughed more than we cringed oh and I thought so that much was, i thought that was and, but we're in a full movie theater mind you on a monday night right in springfield massachusetts me and him are laughing. Nobody else is. We we got the jokes. We understood what was happening and now how they were trying to be funny. Well, if you think about the last blockbuster-esque horror films, none of them are funny, right? So think about the movies that we've seen in theaters recently, oh, no. right? Exorcist Believers or... So if you're if you're somebody who's coming coming of age into horror movies right now and you're old enough to go see this film, you're not used to laughing during the movie. You're not used to there being these subliminal jokes or uh, maybe really glaring jokes that are in the middle of the film. And I don't think people know how to react. I think they're like, wait, this is a horror. I don't laugh. You know. Well, and I said it to you on that night again. Call back to Jason or Freddy versus Jason and how funny that script was and how some of the lines and how they dropped it. It was just sheer comedy. I was laughing harder than I was cringing again in that movie. It just brought me back to that simpler time after college, mid two thousands where I was just like, this is premium cheese and funny. And then I'm just going to mix in some of the craziest deaths you'll ever see. And boom, that's Eli Roth. 
Yeah, and I would say, actually, to go back a little bit, I maybe I spoke too quickly about laughing during a film, because I will say, Terrifier 2, right? <laughs> so there is some obvious humor. But even to your point, so think about this sort of um, birth of slasher films, you know, in like the, the 70s, 80s. You know, if you start even putting in uh, like the Freddy Kruegers of the world in kind of the first characters that really speak. Yep. I feel like Freddy's popularity grew when he became more of a mainstream icon, right? He was doing, um, you know, like Letterman and he was doing all these different commercials and albums and things like that, that I felt. It became like a brand. Yeah, because he was, wasn't a thing back then. But ton of charisma, yeah. funny. You wanted to get the joke and you wanted to laugh along and you would still go see the film and be scared. But the first couple films, there's not a lot of humor from Freddy, right? It's, it's not there, but you get into the later films. Oh, it's yeah. all funny. And so I think that this is kind of reminiscent of that. And, you know, even Eli Roth, I think I would say going back to him. So he is a native from Massachusetts. Yep. So it's great that this film is set in Plymouth. We get to go, you know, to the original place of Thanksgiving. And him having those roots, I think, gave it a little bit more authenticity. Yes. I thought it was funny to see the sort of like South Shore portrayed in this film and that it was kind of this like, you know, fuck you, I'm first kind of attitude. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think is kind of like the bad rap that that you know, area gets. And I think it's funny that they played on that and that a lot of the characters in this film, and I think we'll probably mention it a couple times through the podcast, you can tell kind of who's from Boston and who's not. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of a thing that I will, we'll get into, but uh, I think the accents were great. Uh, oh, yeah. The authentic ones, certainly there's a couple that are not so authentic in there. And there's some that don't even try, which, again, I can appreciate. I'd, I'd rather have you just speak the way you speak than try to mimic that and fuck it up. Yeah, it's like the goodwill hunting of like accents in a movie right. where you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely in the Boston proper area, right? Yeah. So, um, And no one in this film, instead of you know the, the main tagline, it's, I got to go see about a turkey. That's yeah. a, <laughs> it's not your fault, Will. <laughs> but it is John Carver's fault. Yes. We got to oh. talk about John Carver. Yeah. Uh, well, I, we had to look him up. Like, I, I'm not a huge Massachusetts history guy. So uh, I guess uh, John Carver was a pivotal character of, the, of our history for Plymouth Rock. Right. He's on the Mayflower. He, one of the first people to to sign when he came over. He became the mayor of Plymouth. Oh, hold on, just a disclaimer. This is not a history podcast. So, oh, you know what? Yeah. Let's let's. <laughs> but we had to do a little bit of our research. And yes, John Carver is a dude. He he's a guy. He was the mayor, right? Was well, the governor? What was he? Yeah, he was the governor. There you go. There we go. So he, he's a dude. So very cool. And if you look at the map, which we did too, to verify where everything where's, was. Yeah, where's Plymouth? <laughs> there, Plymouth is. Above South, Sandwich. South Shore, you know, probably 10, 15 miles above Sandwich. There's also another town uh, southwest of that area called Carver. So that was like, oh, cool. Let's double check on Carver. Okay, yeah. All made sense at all that checks. point. All checks. Yeah. yeah. It's all, all tracks right now. So, I mean, that's, you know, that, and that, you said it to the point of Eli Roth being from Massachusetts. It's his roots. He's digging in. He thought this would have been a good story. And I guess Plymouth is a very big Thanksgiving tradition town. Uh, I think they have their own parades and they do their own thing and they're very, uh, they love the holiday. Um, and it really plays in on that. So you, you kind of see all those themes through the movie. Um, the other themes that we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into, but man, capitalism, uh, Black Friday as a death trap. 
Now, how funny is that, right? Black Friday, you you go YouTube it, spend, you know, go down that rat hole of Black Friday and all those security cameras about people fighting and all this stuff. Then you mix in a little bit of the Massachusetts rage. Oh, man, it was I mean, we're just going to get right into it. I, I hope we're not jumping in anywhere, but this was our drop for the both of us where it was right in the beginning of the movie. They're sitting down at dinner. This guy, Thomas Wright of Wright Mart. Wright Mart. Yep. Which is Walmart, let's be honest, right? <laughs> well, like a non chain Walmart. Yeah. Right? A it's local a, Walmart. It's, just a one, it's a single big time retail establishment with kind of everything, right? It was similar to Walmart. It, had electronics and clothing and shoes and phones. Yeah. The whole nine yards. So the owner, they're sitting down, they're having a nice Thanksgiving dinner, and then a phone call rings, and guy, you know, two different houses, one guy has to go into work, and there's a Black Friday. It's happening on Thursday instead of Friday, uh, which is just, hey, welcome to America, right? Let's just sell whenever we can sell. So, and it took away families and having them go work and people waiting in line. Yeah, and that's like six, p- I think it's like 6 p.m. or something. Yeah. And just I, sitting down for dinner and like, oh, I get a phone call. I got to go to work. Like, you didn't know that was happening? Like, I think you did. Yeah. And, and I worked retail for probably, I don't even know, 15 years or something. And it slowly became Black Friday was earlier and earlier and earlier every single year till it started. Basically, uh, you know, yeah, st- stepping on Thanksgiving. And to your point, I mean, me, I like to eat at like three o'clock on Thanksgiving, oh, yeah. but people who are eating at six, seven o'clock, well, guess what? You're not who, with your family yeah, <laughs> you, are, if you're working. Who are those people? I think three o'clock was late, but. So even if you did eat at three o'clock and then you had to go work a shift at Right Mart, like a full eight hour shift, are you staying awake during that shift? Because I'm not. No, MSG kicks in, you're, you're out, you're toast. I've had I've had Thanksgiving leftovers for like three days in a row, and I've napped every single day. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't taken a good dump in a while either. Uh oh. Yeah, L- lots of lots of bread products. Backing me up. Okay, get off that subject. I'm, I apologize <laughs> for all the listeners. Anyway, can I ma- mention one thing? Yes. So I looked it up because I was actually curious. So I looked up the retail related. I guess we'll call them homicides. I'll even just say deaths. So retail related deaths on Black Friday since 2006. There have been 17. Stat drop. Jesus. There's also hundreds and hundreds of injuries retail related on Black Friday, but the death count being 17, that's like how many people get killed by sharks in 10 years? Like that's a lot of people that die because of a sale on a television that I think we even know today that they're not really sales anymore. They're just putting Black Friday and calling it a sale. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all getting duped on that. Like Black Friday became this term and we're like... Thinking we're saving all this money and we're not, right? I mean, that's it's all it's all marketing, you know, right? Mystery retail guy over there. Yeah, if you if you look at a price anytime, there's always gonna be a manufacturer suggested retail price than the price they sell it at. So if that's twenty percent off, of course on Black Friday they're gonna say twenty percent Black Friday sale because we're offering it at twenty percent less than the manufacturer says we should. Yeah. Uh okay, well you do year round. Well, yeah, but it's also Black Friday, and we're still doing it, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess, hey, we do it for one day, and then we go back to normal prices, right? Which I, I don't even think that's a thing. I think I'm still seeing Black Friday sales on Amazon right now, you know? What's funny, too, is I think if you watch this film, if you watched it before Thanksgiving and then decided to go Black Friday shopping, a uh, very different experience now. Like, no one's really going out 
It's not as big of a thing as it once was. There were a bunch of, you know, news stations trying to cover Black Friday who were like really underwhelmed. Yeah, gr- great point. So what year is this what year is this movie? I mean, I think if you were to say last year, it probably still tracked, but this year is a very different year. I think it's probably just um, It's like pre-COVID. Yeah, probably pre-COVID. But we're also in a recession right now. And I think again, I think it's a combination of recession being duped by marketing gimmicks and also that this shit is available early, right? Yeah. How many places you go, did you go early in November that were like Black Friday deals that you could buy today? Yeah. Or Cyber Monday, they're pushing it on Thanksgiving. Like, it's fucking Cyber Monday. It's I don't want to know about it now. The whole thing was, I want to be surprised and come on. If I know all the sales on Thursday, then I'm not going to buy anything on Friday. I'll wait till Monday. The whole thing was about... It dropping, you being surprised, you having to run out and get it because it's only available for a short time. Then fingers crossed, what's going to happen on Cyber Monday? Which Cyber Monday was a very different thing um, back in the AOL chat days. Let me just tell you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Want a cyber? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. ASL. All right, so a couple other things, as I mentioned, Eli Roth. This was a one-hour and 43-minute film. Right away, I told Eric before the movie even started, had to be one and a half hours. I was already kind of disgenuous about it, walking in, going, come on, you couldn't shave off 15 minutes of this film, get it to right under 90 minutes. And then it, it would feel it long. Would, it, right, but it would have crushed. Like, those are the movies that let's get in, let's get out, let's have a good time. Hour and a half. This, this was, I mean, I knew it right away. 13 minutes too long. I don't know where you wanted to shave that. Maybe some of the, uh, you know, Eric, the uh, police officer scenes. I mean, he, I think he, the school, I think the school scene. Yeah. A couple of the school scenes where they're all getting together and that whole like, oh my God, we got tagged in a picture. I yeah. just think the, those ran a little bit longer. Right. Yeah. So you're right. So it is modern day because there was a bunch of tags and they were using social media in this film. A lot of cell phone use. Uh, all right. So we, let's go circle back. We're back to the drop, right? So. It's Black Friday. Well, it's Thursday, right? So yep. Thanksgiving, they're all going out. Thanksgivings are getting cut short. You got these mass amount, <laughs> no pun intended, a lot of people outside of this store ready to go in. This is where you start hearing the secondary characters with the most obnoxious Massachusetts accents you'll ever hear, which is awesome. I mean, that's where I just started giggling. And then you got these uppity you know, uh, Thomas Wright, well, he's the owner of Wright Mart. Her, his daughter, the main character, Jessica, and her, her friends are going out, what, to a movie? Yeah, they're going to go to the movies. Yeah, so they're they're going to go out to a movie. They have to jump into the store for some reason. Because Evan says, I, uh, my cell phone broke. I need to get, go get a new cell phone because how else am I going to get through the movie if I don't text through the whole thing? Correct which is on brand to all you moviegoers out there. We've gone to a lot. We see a lot of people looking at their phones, farting around in our theaters. There was one guy legitimately watching another video three rows ahead of us on his cell phone during a movie when we went to see it. And I was so fucking annoyed. Like there's a special place in hell for people like that. I'm just going to say it. If you are that inconsiderate of everything else and okay, you're at a movie the whole point is to put your phone away and try to focus on the movie. If you're that bored, well, guess what? You wasted your money. Yeah. Stay at home and watch a movie in the background. All right. So you got all these people. The scene is set. 
there's two security guards on staff, which they'll circle back to in the in the film a bunch about how it was understaffed, tons of people. And if you really look at the scene and how they like, I don't know, well, there was like 50 people there. Like there wasn't really that much. No, there were more. I would say if I if you look at the barricade, it was a long stretch, and then it was was the but there was like of- no cars in the parking lot. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say you had a couple hundred people. I would say you probably had two to two hundred and fifty people, like sort of that they were trying to make it appear in the parking lot at the time because they were offering how many free waffle irons? Waffle irons. That was it. That's a hundred. Yes. So there had to be more than a hundred people there, otherwise everyone would have just been casual. Yeah, like, yeah. So it ha- we'll we'll call it two hundred people. Only a hundred of them are walking out with a free waffle iron. Right. So here we go. Security guard can't handle it. You got Jessica and her friends find a back way in. The people from the outside see people on the inside. Hey, why are they in there? Pandemonium. They lock the doors. The people rush the barricades, pound on the doors. Now all hell breaks loose, and here comes the drop, right? You got security guards getting trampled. The security guard. One security guard ran away because he was scared. He's like, fuck this. They don't pay me enough. I'm out. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you're not wrong, right? <laughs> so, you, you know, you, you got out of Dodge and, and all hell broke loose. And I think we saw two deaths in this tr- trampoline. The dude that slices his neck on oh, the glass of the th- door. So three deaths. Yeah, that dude is my fucking hero. I yeah. lo- That scene was so good. I don't want to give it away, but it's re- it, it goes from a really tragic scene to kind of hilarious in the same breath. So this whole thing that's happening and that's what I really like about, you know, as we're mentioning kind of the horror and the comedy element here is that even during what is the most chaotic scene in the entire movie, there are laughs to be had every two minutes. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, this guy (laughs) just gets this poke with glass in the neck. You see it happen. You're like, Oh, you know, you, you cringe a little bit. You're like, ah, and that he just keeps trucking. He keeps trucking. He's get, he's got his eyes on the prize. He's getting that waffle iron. He's he's headed. He's beelining it to it. He gets it, and then he just passes out. He collapses, and then someone rips it from and his then hands. He, yeah, ripped from his dead dead hands. Couple, you know, another death where a, kind of a pivotal character, you know, that really kind of made this whole movie happen is the manager's wife. The manager's wife, Amanda Collins, played by Gina Gershon. Oh yes. Thank you for that. That was. Uh, does anyone? I, I hope everyone might know who Gina Gershon is. Smoke um, show. Older smoke. She's show. known for. She's known for another horror movie, Showgirls. <laughs> I was not putting that together, but <laughs> anyway, she's a smoke show. So I'm. I'm very happy that she was in it. She's a little older, but whatever. So she meets her tragic death with a shopping cart to the head, and then rips her scalp. Which was oh, yeah. it was pretty like oh my god like how bad is this gonna get so that kind of that's where all the wheels just completely come off and then we fast forward to the next year right so within that drop there's a moment too where like injuries are happening left and right one of the main characters Jessica's boyfriend Bobby who is this five foot two slinger stand on a phone book he's five foot two. dude he's smaller than Jessica all you viewers go watch the movie look how short this guy is five foot two maybe. And this guy throws heat. He's a 96, I think. 96 mile per hour pitcher. So here you are. He's building this guy up. This guy looks, whatever. You know, you you just look at his stats and you're like, no way in hell. And these are high school kids, just just to clarify. Well, I think he's in college by now, right? He's getting scouted to go to college. Like he was going to be like the hero of town. But he's still in high school. 
He's playing high school baseball, okay. throwing a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, so here he is, and in you know my drop came when he was trying to like save Jessica, and then his hand, and boom, it gets snapped like back towards his face, like from I don't even know what bone it, what, what bone is this right here. I don't even. Know. I I haven't played Operation in a while, but I think it's the funny bone. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, he and it, you just see it bend back, and it's his throwing hand, career shot, big time, and. That's to me the drop where I'm like, wah, wah. like Bobby's Bobby's history is over and he's going nowhere. At the same time, so many things are happening, right? You've got the manager and his wife dies, so that's a big thing. You have all the other deaths happening. It's during a big sale at a big, you know, I don't want to say chain, but it's not. It's not a chain. A big store in in Plymouth and agreed, you know something is is really fucked about in the following year things are gonna have to change they're gonna have to set policy new things happening because this just went off the rails and again there's a very you know when you do watch that scene pay attention to kind of what's going on because it definitely draws back in the end of why the next year became so fucked so we'll 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 get into that maybe but you know we'll try not to spoil too much but if you know we'll we'll put on a little uh, alarm if we have to but um, let's get to the next topic is your, you know, favorite death. Like, I mean, and again, movie had plenty, so it was very hard to choose from. And Eli Roth does a great job, I think, with the practical effects. I think he's always had really good gory scenes in all all of his films. My favorite in this is the, I don't know if she's the owner or just a waitress at the diner, Lizzie. Lizzie is definitely one of the tertiary characters who's got the thick Boston accent, so she's a native, you can tell. But she gets attacked by John Carver, who is the the ghost face of this movie, inside the diner and splashes water on her face, presses her face up against the freezer walk-in so it sticks like a tongue in the Christmas story, finally peels herself away, which is, oh man, that, that was gruesome. Gets outside, gets in her car. Basically, she gets chopped in half in a dumpster. I don't know how it happened, but I might be weird because I feel like all my picks for favorite death scene are always about someone getting cut in half. Yeah, that's two in a row. That is two in a row. It's probably like my ninth on the podcast too. Wow. You you like just people getting... We, we thought it was decapitation, but you're like, no, what do you call it when the whole torso? It's just halvesies. You're just, you're just yeah. cut in half. Go, <laughs> you're going, going Splitsville. Yeah. So... Yeah, Splitsville. So did you let's go back to Terrifier. Did you like that Splitsville? Yeah, so that you, was we you went choose, Did you choose that? I know I chose that death in that movie. We that. we quartered end to end on that one. Uh so I think it's probably the one I chose. Well, there you go. Yeah. You, you you're not kidding then. You you like just havesies. Which the the thing about it though is that that was the best sale on Black Friday, 50% off. Whoa. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> he's here he's here all week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, for me it was uh, Kathleen, who is the stepmom of Jessica, the wife of Thomas Wright, the owner of uh, Wright Mart. She was a very douchey, uppity character, right? Very like capitalistic. She was the one that wanted it open on Thursday. She was kind of the driver, right? We'll get into that. Maybe some awards. Uh, her name will get popped up. But man, she had one of the cringiest death scene. We spoke about it in our pre-show notes. That it he. You know, Eric's not wrong. When you watch this death, you're just on the edge of your seat. You're, you're kind in of, it. You're, you're uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. 
so what happens is, you know, sh- you know, you got John Carver. Well, he, according to you, does not preheat the oven. He didn't preheat the oven. So you see, she's getting based with butter or you know whatever liquid oil. Yeah, we got butter and herbs and and he's just basting her right with a with a spongy brush along the face or legs. You're like, ooh, all right, what's going on here? And then there's this man sized oven. Person sized oven, and guess what? She goes in it, still alive, mind you, and screaming. The door shuts, the lights on, and the flames are going. Yeah, and she starts screaming and burning, and you're just watching, like, oh my god. I think it was almost worse that he that he didn't preheat because I think you got to feel the the discomfort by the door shuts on the oven. And then you hear it crank on, and it's quiet in there, and you hear the reverberation from the very four small tin walls. The timer's on, and it just starts heating up. You see her start to sweat. It's so fucking uncomfortable. If you're, like, claustrophobic or you ever have any of those nightmares of, like, burning to death, like, this is just your worst fear in, like— Two minutes of this film. Yeah. So it was it was definitely a very worthy death scene of a lot of great death scenes. I was gonna choose the boat on the float death scene oh, where the yeah, guy yeah. gets pretty much impaled by the what is that? The the a mast? Yeah, know. the mast right through the face, which I will circle back to in my they ain't never gonna be right segment. So oh, just yeah. so just hold on to that. All right. So our next segment is WTF, what the fuck? And I'm going to be very quick with mine. We already mentioned it a little bit. The secondary characters of this movie had some of the, I don't know if it's greatest or worst Boston accents you ever heard, but they were there. And the main characters, Jessica, Scuba, Evan, Bobby, Ryan, Yulia. I mean, all the main characters at this Plymouth High School Plymouth East, or I don't know, whatever school it was, spoke totally normal, like prep school Connecticut people. Yep. Just where are they from? Not Plymouth. And then you got all these secondary characters from maybe towns outside of Plymouth, all spoke like they just had a bunch of marbles in their mouth. So that, that to me was like, what the fuck? Why, why are all the secondary characters Boston accent people and the main are all these uppity uh, Connecticut I don't know, prep school kids. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it's because they feel like, kind of in every film that is set in a certain place with a thick accent, do they they just think that people can't relate? You know what I mean? It's almost like you can't can't relate to somebody who speaks in that accent or something. Are they not relatable? But then I think of like The Departed, and you even got like Leo DiCaprio trying to throw on a Boston accent, you know? And so, I don't, yeah, I don't... I had it in mind too. Like I wish more people committed to trying the Boston accent. Yeah, but I also said that for better earlier, or worse. Yeah, <laughs> earlier I said, hey, if it's really shitty, then maybe don't don't go for it. But I love that that it's like impurities of just like even if you go in and out of the accent, it's like yeah, you tried. They didn't try. They Eli was just like, you guys can't do it. Don't do it. Just speak normally, and it's going to be totally weird. And people like Eric and Jay are going to sit on their couch on a on a Sunday night. And do this podcast where we're going to just bash it, which in a funny way. I'm just like, you know, we're from Massachusetts. I love the Boston accent. 
I wanted it all throughout the movie, yet it was only the secondary characters. And they were some of the the best lines, the be- the richest tones and, and, and description words. and They were awesome. And I just wanted every character to have that and have that whole flow through the movie. So that, that I think we kind of dropped the ball there where I was like, hey, man, what the fuck? Get them all Boston accents. Let's go for it. Let's get real. Yeah. The couple questions I have in terms of what the fuck would be, would they really the following year open up for Black Friday? I mean, especially because we, we believe it's a singular store. So do you think that they're that greedy that they couldn't just say, we're going to set a trend of being closed on Black Friday to remember those who were lost during a tragic Black Friday incident were not going to open? I mean, it feels like Kathleen really kind of pushed it. Um, oh, yeah. But I feel like, would that really make sense? I, I, I guess. It's still a what the fuck because why, why would you do it? So I got that one in there. And then more of a question instead of a what the fuck, but is Eli Roth known for having like the hottest women in his films? Think about Hostel. Think about Cabin Fever, this film. There's a smoke shows left and right in this. Oh, yeah. Man, it doesn't hurt to go and have some pretty faces on screen, too. Um, and I thought, you know, for kind of a teen acting high school kind of movie, I don't think the acting was that bad. I actually thought it was pretty good. And I thought the characters, for the most part, were good. I think mean, there was a good balance of reality and sort of caricature. Oh, yeah. Right? I think when you do a movie like this, when it feels like a parody, is that you're trying to parody each real life character and they become an extreme version of themselves. And I thought they did a good job of, of towing that line where it wasn't so far over the top that you couldn't believe it, but it was also douchey enough to be like, yeah, there are people like that, that out there. <laughs> yeah, and I think we already said it before, but freaking Patrick Dempsey's in this movie. Like, you know, and it was one of those like aha moments where I'm like, what? why, you know, why is Patrick Dempsey in this movie with a bunch of these like younger generation and, and and like you just said mentioned there was better acting than you thought yeah there was fear there was great acting but at the same time they also like you said with a parody they kind of were in on the joke yep. where some of these lines were so hard to come out of your mouth they delivered it and you just kind of giggled and like well that was the cheesiest line i've ever heard but i was like that's the point to me, it's like, you're right. I mean, the acting wasn't terrible. It was just the script, maybe, how these lines were coming out, how the story was kind of getting developed. And like you said, the multiple themes, the Black Friday, the Thanksgiving. It, you're kind of incorporating this whole event of like Thanksgiving. Hey, where does it rank on your holiday manifesto anyway? Like, it's just yeah. like, I don't know. Is it even a top three? And this movie kind of highlighted that these are the weird things that happen on Thanksgiving. You're with your friends. You're at high school. You're all locals. Like, you're going home. And Plymouth, it's like, this is what we do. And then you're shopping. And then you got these rich people. And it's like, it's all on brand. And it's like, this is what a Thanksgiving movie is about. I also like that they didn't use drugs and alcohol as a main plot point. Or sex. Cause, cause, yeah, or sex. Because when you think about it, there's always this thing, and I, I kind of feel like it's there. I actually talked about this at your house on Thanksgiving. But there's kind of this theme where I, at a point in horror movies, they needed to try to give some reason of why somebody's fucked up, right? Like real people are out there and they're fucked up. 
And so when they try to portray those people on screen and make a horror film, I feel like there was always this thing where they would say like, oh, well, they're, they're drunk, right? You always see the, uh, you know, some swinging around a beer bottle or something, put it down and they do some fucked up shit. And I don't think they did that in this film. I think I like the fact that they could just say there are people that do fucked up things, not because of drugs and alcohol, but they just do fucked up things. And I thought that it was good. They didn't try to put so much of that on these teen characters, right? Because I think it made sense too. Cause when you, when you watch these films, a lot of times it's like, yeah, the quarterback's doing cocaine. It doesn't really track though. Nice. Right. If you're, you, you gotta be up, up on your game, right? You can't just be doing cocaine in the bathroom as a 17 year old high school student. And no one's going to notice that. Yeah. You know, I think in this movie they were all on Adderall, but you know, yeah. point being that was their, that was their stimulant. Uh, I mean, there was one big party happening that they were like really promoting, yeah. but it was Thanksgiving. Mind you, number one party night of the year is Wednesday night, you know, like right. the day before when everyone comes home. So this was just another party kind of. So there was there was something kind of happening there, but that party led to something else. Maybe we'll get into that. But uh, all right, where are we going next? The awards? Let's kick into the awards. Nice. All right, where, where do you want to go first? What award first? I think we could do – let's start with um, Judy – all right. And then we'll work our way down through the character awards, and then we'll do They Ain't Never Gonna Be Right as our Perfect. last one. We'll end there. All right. So Judy uh, is the award from Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp. The mean the girl. mean girl. Just someone who's there to or bully. Mean, mean person. Yep. So I chose Evan for this. Evan is one of the jocks who is Jessica's friend. He's the guy that needed his cell phone to text. So I already hate his guts. I couldn't, you know, you know I already thought he was an asshole anyway. And he does bully somebody in the movie about getting a paper that he has to read in class and come find out it's the teacher's paper yeah, yeah. From, a, from a blog, which is, uh, you know, pretty on brand for Karma. Our, our kids today copying people's blogs to have papers. Probably, you know, he, you know, now we're going to get into chat GPT and you know, nobody's going to write their papers anymore. Just the computers are. So, Chat GPT wrote all of my notes today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mean girl or, you know, bully is Evan. Uh, so, he, you know, he's a character that will stand out to everybody who watches. He does bully somebody in the movie. So I'm like, he's on brand. I'm going Ryan. Ryan is Jessica's new boyfriend after Bobby breaks his arm and basically ghosts her. And there's a dynamic between Ryan and Bobby where Ryan is kind of like, hey, um, this is my new home and I'm not letting you in anymore. And so when Bobby kind of comes back to town, there still seems to be some unfinished business between uh, Jessica and Bobby. Ryan does everything he can to try to bully Bobby and he says a bunch of disparaging things against him like, you know, I'm – I'm going to be this well-off, you know, investment banker and you're just going to drive a tow truck the rest of your life and you're just a, a you know, the only reason you got anywhere is because not because you're smart but because you were good at baseball and so I think he embodies the sort of bully mentality and there's a little bit of jealousy I believe in Sleepaway Camp with Judy and Paul and so I think it all all kind of tracks. I think Evan's a great choice too. He's smarmy. He, he's he's. There's kinda, a lot of dickheads in the movie, so this is great. This guy, yeah, and this guy, you know, he, he, he's trying so hard to be liked, 
and nobody really likes him. It's a facade. He's he's not. Does he even go to their high school? Like, who, where's this guy even from? I think he's in college. I think he's like a college uh. freshman who kind of still hangs out with them. Is what I, what it makes sense. Oh, so it shows him in a dorm room with another dude, and they're going to. I think they go to the high school parties to sell Adderall. I think he's oh. kind of like a drug dealer in a way. <laughs> uh, yeah, which becomes an important plot point in the film. But yeah. all right. So next is the Franklin Award. Now this is for the wet blanket in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The brother, or the, the I guess we could say the character you want to die right away. <laughs> yes. And for me, it was Manny, and this is the security guard in the drop where he runs away. And he meets his maker later on in a great scene where the John Carver goes to his house and kills him with a carving, electric carving knife. Oh, yeah. Or when's the last time you saw one of those? I have one upstairs. Oh, man, do you use it? You I haven't it? ever. It's on the box. Oh, there you go. Uh, I, I grew up with that thing. Like, my parents use that electric knife for everything. For Mine's battery-powered, though. It's a uh, little bit more current <laughs> oh there you go yeah lithium it's it's great um it's not riding on like a fucking four prong outlet with a 40 foot cord like yeah. it used to be <laughs> so he he gets cut with that well this one's actually wireless too so this is battery operated because oh, yeah, yeah. i didn't see a wire and it was running in his belly but something else happened like so i saw that did he get his head cut off too a lot of heads getting cut off i can't remember that that's one thing i'll say now that we're in the middle of the podcast but Watching it in theaters and only seeing it once compared to getting to watch movies in the comfort of our own homes. Rewinding it, watching it again, taking notes. Yeah, it's, this ha- is- it's hard to like track everything that happened because it moves very quickly in the film. So forgive us if we're missing any important details, but it's an electric, electric carving knife. Yep. And he dies in front of his cat. Right. Cat does not help him. No, not one bit. Cat's like, yeah, fuck you, man. And what was he trying to do? He was trying to go to the Dominican Republic. He was trying to get out of Dodge. Yeah, sure was. This guy's already getting out of Dodge. He's like, hey, first death, I'm out of here. You know, yep. Yeah, so, good. You know, Franklin, see you later. Manny, you'll love this guy. This guy's typical, just kill this guy. Get him out of here. I'm throwing an Evan for my Franklin because he is the one who films all of the chaos on Black Friday He's the one who demands that they go to Wright Mart so he could get a cell phone, which kind of causes the whole... He I could be the Jarvis then too, right? He's kind of the linchpin in a yeah. way because if he if that scene doesn't happen, if he doesn't go there and they don't sneak in the employee-only door, or not sneak in, they have a card access there. If they don't go inside the store where everyone is seeing them in there, does this riot happen? I don't think it does. I think yeah. they're still going to be rowdy pushing and stuff, but this same incident doesn't happen. Evan, you got to go. I wanted them to go as soon as possible. It makes sense because this is the guy that's sitting next to you in the movie theater with his phone while you're trying to enjoy a movie. So this guy's got to go. Kill this guy. All right, next is Uncle Charles. Friday the 13th, Part 8. He's you know a family member that is trying to do the right things but just keeps fucking left fucking up left and right thinks he's doing all the right move you know being the nice guy and the nice family member and putting everybody in jeopardy yeah he has a, a very fucked up way about loving his family <laughs> so for me it, you know it's it's Kathleen the one who gets the fa- my favorite death scene She's the one that's trying to pull this family together doing like especially after in year one she's the one that makes Thomas Wright 
open up the shop, you know, open up on Thursday night instead of Friday just so they can get more money. And then later on, a year later, you just see her. She's trying to have these, like, every scene she's in, you're just like, dude, trying to be the stepmom of the year. And you're just, like, awful. You're just, nobody likes you. I couldn't agree more. That was my pick, too. She hides the security tape so they can't really figure out what happened, why the deaths got caused the way they did. Mainly, she's trying to prevent more lawsuits and potentially... I don't know, could they have been charged with criminal negligence? Um, could Wright have gone to prison for this? I think it's possible. Maybe they would have just, you know, made him pay a fine or something. But I feel like there could have been a criminal case here with him knowingly not hiring enough staff and not enough security to be able to maintain a mob, essentially. For 100 waffle makers. Yeah. So to me, she's our, she's our Charles. All right. So who's your Jarvis? Who'd you have? I'm changing my mind in the eleventh hour here on Jarvis. Oh, oh man! I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw um, Jessica Ooh. in as my Jarvis because she. Who, well, who'd you have originally? I had McCarty. We haven't talked about McCarty, oh, and yeah. he's worth mentioning because I think he's fucking amazing in this film. McCarty is a tertiary character. He's kind of the local. Yeah, he's he's the local. Like I got whatever. He's like NRA. the NRA. Yeah, I would say he's the local red, like from Shawshank Redemption. Like he'll get you whatever you need. You got oh, yeah. you need a gun, you need a fake ID, you need a alcohol, you need a McRib on off season. Like I got you. Gotcha. McRib. He's he's amazing in this. So McCarty, big ups. But I gotta put Jessica in there because I think Jessica is the one who doesn't say no to her friends. She doesn't say, no, guys, we're not going to my dad's store on this day. It's a big day. It's a big deal. We're not going to go in there. She's the one who gets them all access to go in there. And then everything kind of transpires from there. And then later on, she's the one that's like, all right, I need a gun. I need to figure out how to help. I need to do whatever. So to me, I really, you made the ultimate decision by saying yes to your friends and being peer pressured in to cause what happened. And then you spent the rest of the movie trying to salvage what you've done. So I'm going Jessica for my Jarvis. Oh, you know, I mean, that's going to trump mine. I'm going with her father. You know, he he's the one. Tommy. Yeah, Thomas Wright, the owner of the store. Again, you know, he's just a puppet of Kathleen, but still he he just wants to make, he wants to be the the man about town. So he wants to open the store. He has to open up the store. Nothing's going to get in his way. He he is the driver, and then at the end, he kind of like shifts around and wants to be the better man for his daughter to help save. And you'll see those scenes as it comes along as well towards the end. But uh, you know, he 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 just is like, dude, you just keep creating the monster. You're if you like you mentioned, just don't open the store. Maybe none of this ever happens. But yeah. it is it is a redemption story, so maybe not. But I don't know. It just gives this platform to this is the event that's where the killer is going to come and we're going to find this killer. And that's where it becomes this caper. It's just like, Whoa, what's happening? You know, it's like, now it's a detective movie. Yeah. Uh, so the last award, they ain't never going to be right. Obviously it's for those characters, uh, that my brother, you know, and I, when we were watching these movies, uh, we always thought, Hey, towards the end, that survivor ain't never going to be right. Well, for me in this one, it, it is two kids, young, 12 and under, 10 yes. 12 the two <laughs> girls sitting in a pickup truck during the parade carrying the mayflower 
which has the Wright family on it, <laughs> dressed up as pilgrims, and chaos ensues. This is like animal house parade type shit. A guy's head gets cut off in the middle of the parade in the chicken suit, which is the same scene from the, from the trailer, trailer from 2007. So, it, you know, that is an Easter egg that we didn't know about until we watched the trailer later on. But I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the same. That's the same costume. Same that's the same turkey thing. costume. But same thing. instead, there was a kid in that costume where in the first trailer it was an yeah. adult, <laughs> which is like, all right, that's that's fucking weird. But that kid gets his head cut off. Mayhem. And then this the truck stops. The boat's mast comes powering through the window and just blows out his face. And you just see the mast just go right through the back of the head, out the nose, blood everywhere. And the two little girls, probably his daughters, yep, which is like, oh, my God, just watch their dad get impaled and his face just completely blown out onto the window shield of the truck. And I was just like, oh. That was that was definitely final destination is shit, and I was just like, oh my god, and it was. I kind of laughed at the same time. Yeah, I was, I was like, say, holy what's shit. so fucked up about it. Is we both made the same chuckle when that happened. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, like they did. They went for it. They yeah. went for it. So, oh my god, big time. Great death scene, right? You know, not my best, not the best, but um, the kids sitting next got blood all over them, and they just saw their dad just get their face blown out, and I was just like, oh my god, those kids ain't never gonna be right. Big time. That my my choice exactly. Couldn't couldn't have said it better. All right, so I think ready to wrap up with our last uh, three here. All right, so uh, let's just get this right out of the way. Screen it, stream it. Can't redeem it or hated it. I would say I would stream it or screen it. I think it was fun to see in the theaters. I thought it was just fun. In general, I I will 100% watch it again. Yeah, I would say either. Well, uh, of course, we paid money for it. Uh, it doubled its money from the vodka. You know, $15 million, got $30 million in the first week. Will it go straight to streaming next week? Probably. Um, just because it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's over. It's going to lose its legs. I get it. But coming out at the time that it did, I think it gave it great legs. I don't think any of you, by the time you listen to this podcast, will be able to screen it. So go ahead and stream it. It'll get some more legs through that. It could be a cult movie. 100%. I think it is. It's super fun. Yeah. It's going to be like the Terrifier. It's going to be a cult movie. Eli Roth's got that in the bag. I think you know all his fans will, will go. They'll stream it. It'll get some legs behind it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, my brother went to go see it. His review of it, it was a turkey. So there you go. I like turkey. <laughs> all right so oh we know we never what was your hot take do you have a hot take we never got to the hot takes i didn't write one down i probably have a million hot takes but um i might not have anything to do with the movie just the holiday i don't know my hot take is thanksgiving is overrated and i think i'm not alone i don't think with that and maybe i'm maybe you're maybe my hot take is gonna be you know bamboozled by my by the by our by our following but i'm just like I just hosted for the first time in many years and I had my kids and it was over at the house, family, in-laws. And I'm kind of like in the moment, it's just kind of like a blur. You came by, right? Yep. It was, it was, it was fun. I didn't really, I got to drink a couple of glasses of wine. It was kind of nice, casual, running around with my kids, running all over the place, getting the food ready. It just kind of went so fast as a host. That's where I'm like, this is fucking overrated. If you're the host, it sucks. Let's be, let's be honest here. 
if you're just a, an attendee who's just going to get loaded, it's the best holiday ever, right? So I guess it's kind of like as a guest, I'm like, all right, top top five, maybe top three. But as a host, I'm kind of like, dude, it's like bring on Halloween, bring on all the others, man. Christmas, New Year's. I think it's kind of the, the most no frills with the most bang for your buck. So I, I'll disagree. I think it is a hot take because I, I disagree. I just oh, think. Perfect. There we I, go. Mean, I, agree, I agree hosting is a whole different ball game, but I think you don't really have to decorate for it. It's sort of just fall. You maybe decorate with fall shit. And then you get to eat, which I think is pretty excellent food. You're only going to eat probably one time a year. So I like the food. I like a day off. I like hanging out and having a big dinner without having to do the like Chris, you know, it's kind of like Christmas without the added pressure to it. So yeah, um, if it wasn't for football on Thanksgiving, I'd be out. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'm just, that, that brings it together. It brings now again, Thanksgiving, not a huge world buff of this. It's just, just an American holiday, right? Well, there's like Canadian Thanksgiving, not on the same day, but yeah, but like Europe's like, what, what the hell are they doing? Right. I yeah, gotta be looking at Roth like, movie. <laughs> so that's nothing to do with the movie, just the holiday. So I, 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 th- I might as well throw that in there quickly. All right. So next sc- soundtrack, is that where you're going? I was going to say, is it hopeful or tropeful? Oh, I don't believe there'll be sequels, but I don't want to call it tropeful. I'm just saying, I don't think it's going to have like a franchise. Is that part of what the category is? Like, is I this think something it's kind of, um, I don't think it's dead in the water. I think they could throw a sequel in there. I really think that it, it didn't have enough of a f- finality to it to feel like... Well, how many hostels did they get up to? Three. I think three. That's it? I thought there was more. Yeah. Maybe I mean, Eli saw... I mean, but I think where the sla- if you have a slasher film where you could potentially throw in a scream element where the killer is different every time or whatever, I think you could you could really make this move. To me, I just liked that they're doing a fucking, you know, like... A two thousand style slasher movie oh, yeah. today. So, all right, so I'm gonna so. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it here and just say um, Ryan is the killer's son, and there'll be a sequel. <laughs> there you go. So maybe maybe or, I'll tell you. I, at one point during the film, I I looked over at Jay and I said, "Are there two killers in this movie?" I was kind of thinking it was going to be a scream esque ending. There's not. I don't think that's a spoiler. We're gonna say there's only one killer, but it was one of those movies where it made me feel like it was so reminiscent of a scream type whodunit that I felt like what was the twist going to be because I kept trying to think it didn't make sense that it was that person because of this element it didn't make sense that it was that person because of that element and then finally it all kind of came together and made sense but I I was kind of lost at some point I didn't really I couldn't put my finger on who it was yeah all right so so you're hopeful yeah I, I I hope they can do more with it Eli Roth, keep making movies. I think you're a horror icon. I don't think you get the credit you deserve. Rock and roll, more more mass hole movies. Yeah, yeah. Let's stay in Plymouth. Let's 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 get another character in there. And let's let's like you just said, I think I think the hidden gem in this movie that we really didn't talk about a lot, that I think a lot of our maybe listeners or viewers who, you know, pay attention to McCarthy what was his name? Oh, McCarty. McCarty. That guy can have some legs in the next in the next movie. So I, I feel yeah. like there's a lot of these other characters I'm like can get some legs into this um, and keep going with it. And like you said, there's a lot of beauty behind some of these characters uh, that kept going. So, you, hey, let's bring them back into the movies again too. So I think Scuba, he's still around. Yep. We didn't even mention him, but he you know, he, he kind of made it out. Thomas, he's still alive. So there's, there's a lot 
that you can keep kind of going down that maybe they're going to close the store you know like yeah you know who knows so uh all right so hopeful yeah um i i don't know about the franchise but hey you know R- ryan could be the killer's son and there you go you know like because ryan he kind of just went off the la la land like we're, we're, yeah sure. i don't even know he start, he didn't even circle back in the end all right so soundtrack just lead with the last song. Do you, you don't even yeah, have to get too I, too deep into the soundtrack. To me, yet. it's it's ten out of ten because it ends with a misfit song. They do "Where Eagles Dare," and during the the end credits. And, and if you know, you know. So let's. If to you me, know, it you know. just it rocks. So yeah. so good. Great choice. You were so pumped. I loved you, it. You lit up like a Christmas tree at the the credits. Loved it. So uh, I just want to make sure that we get to that and. The rating, the blockbuster shelves. I think, you know, we did speak very high, but I am giving this two tapes. Blockbuster is going to invest two tapes. Not even a shelf. I think I think that's probably valid. I, I went with seven tapes. Not even a shelf. So we're if we're going yeah. one to ten, like a whole shelf. Shelf's yeah. probably what, ten movies? So we're I'm I'm down to two, so I'm not even gonna call it like a point two. It's just like you couldn't even fill a shelf. Let's put it that way. I think because it, it's like any other holiday horror film, you really you're not watching it year round. It's like April Fools, man. You yeah. can only watch it. Yeah. April Fools. You're not watching Black Christmas in July. Yeah. Uh, probably not. Uh, you're not watching Silent Night, Deadly Night. It, it's one of those things that I think only lives during this time, but yep. I think I'll watch it every single year yeah. for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we were we were kind of... So mm-hmm. if you go back to our podcast from two years ago, we, 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 we watched Pilgrim. Pilgrim, yeah. And we were kind of in the same camp. But hey, why don't why don't they do more? Go listen to that pod. Go, go backwards if you want. Pilgrim came out on Hulu. Or No, you said it wasn't a Hulu original. Pilgrim was a Hulu original. Okay. We we spoke last week and we made a mistake about saying that uh, Willie's Wonderland was a Hulu original. It was not. It just landed on Hulu. Okay. So Pilgrim was, that was our first Thanksgiving from two years ago. Because there was nothing else. We needed yeah. this film. Yeah. We that's needed Thanksgiving. It is, it is a under, you know, Christmas has had a few, right? So uh, horror movies. So this, you know, this, this. Holiday needs more, and I think this is maybe a stepping stone to that. So we needed a great Thanksgiving horror film, and I think this is it. I think it was super fun. It was campy. It was a slasher. It had good acting, good cast. Honestly, like I was, I, I lit up during this film just because it's my style. Like this is my bread and butter. Yeah. I like the slasher film, and to me, it was just, it was great. And I, and I don't want to be biased because I, there's plenty of slasher films that suck. Um, you know that new Winnie the Pooh film. Just saying, we're never going to do that on the podcast. I'll say it now. It sucked. I had I had high hopes for it because I just wanted to, but I think this was done with the right group of people, and I think it was thought out probably since 2007 when they did this trailer, and I think if they finally were like, let's just do it. I'm so glad they did. Yeah, and I, yeah. you know, and it was funny, like. Eric and I are waiting for that movie that we just come out and bash for an hour. We just haven't had it yet. I think we always try to find like the good and what we're trying to see because we really love the genre. So I always try to find the good, but I I can't wait to find the one that we're just like not into it. Um, you know, I I think we're getting there. Like you know, if you think of the movies that we've done, 
because now we're doing more newer, like we're, we're, we're risking the biscuit, right? We are watching five nights at Freddy's. We are watching Thanksgiving and we're actually pleasantly surprised and going, okay, it's, it's just sometimes not for me, but at the same time, I get why they're doing these things. Yeah. I think from this film and five nights at Freddy's the week before or two weeks ago, five nights at Freddy's was kind of one for the new generation of horror fans. As you mentioned, this one was for us. Yeah, this was Slasher. This is like, all right, Arctic Clown, which, man, oh, can't wait to get into that a year from now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, we don't, we didn't talk about what movie we're doing next, so I guess we'll drop it on our social feed in the next week. I'm sure we'll talk about it. I think there was a movie on Shudder that should be coming out at the end of the month. I think yeah. that's on our radar. So uh, do you remember the name? You know, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll drop it on our social feed. Go ahead and follow us. What is our social feed on Instagram? Uh, I think it's at Real Thrills Podcast. Yes. All right. So you'll, you'll see it on there. Go find us there. Click on social media. Eric. Original go- art by Jared Kellogg. Awesome artist. Also in Massachusetts. All right. Well, Eric, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I did. Thankful for all the movies that you've seen. I feel very thankful. And all the movies you're going to see. And this year, there were no leftovers. Peace out.